0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. What we're going to do through this series, so God's kind of, He's just been working already through this series. This was going to be a three-week series, and that now it's going to be a five-week series. So we've we've kind of stretched this out because there's so much in Scripture, there's so much that God teaches us about this marriage relationship. There's so much that we we think we know that maybe we don't know. There's so much that maybe we do know and we don't know how to put it into practice. There's just so much about these human relationships that the Bible speaks to. And this is the kind of stuff that I wish I would have known before I got married, right? So I've been married 10 years, we're celebrating 11 years in March, and man, I'm just now starting to get some of this, right? It's taken a long time, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of God's word, right? I'm 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 learning how to how to be in this relationship that we call marriage. I'm learning what it looks like, I'm learning what it should look like. I'm learning how to honor God through this as a husband and What I want us to do, my prayer for us in this series is that it would deepen our relationship first and foremost with God. And then it would strengthen our relationship with our spouse. Those those sound really simple and it's like, yeah, I mean, we all want that. But I really believe if we can begin to pray now together for marriages, for relationships, then we're going to see the Spirit do work in the group of people in this room. We're going to see relationships strengthen. Maybe marriages that are on the verge of divorce, we're going to see reconciliation and restoration take place because of the Spirit of God. Amen? That's our prayer. That's our goal. There's marriages all over the place that are struggling. Depending on what what article you read or what survey you look at, there's about 50% of marriages are failing right now. About 50% of people who get married end up getting divorced. 50%. Now, I want to kind of take this to make this more personal, right? So let's say that there was something you really cared about, you really valued, you really loved, and there was a 50% chance that that was going to be taken away from you. So let's say that there was a a 50% chance that someone was going to let's just let's throw out some crazy thing. Let's say that a lion was going to attack you on the way to the mailbox, right? 50-50 chance. You're walking to your mailbox, there's a 50-50 chance that a lion's going to attack you. You would not go out there unprepared for that lion, right? You're going to go out there prepared. But what's happening in marriages or we're entering into these marriages, understanding that statistics show us that 50% of these fail, and we're entering into these marriages with with no preparation we're leaving all the all the preparation all the tools we're just leaving those on the side and we're entering into this relationship just hoping that it's going to work out hoping we're the husband we're supposed to be hoping she's the wife that she's supposed to be right hoping all these different things and we have answers in scripture to help us prepare to be the spouse that God has called us to be ladies when you were younger man maybe this isn't you but for majority of ladies that i've talked to this is it right they they fantasize about this perfect wedding with this perfect guy they've already picked out perfect names for these perfect kids that don't even exist and this is just a fantasy and they're taught this at a young age that hey this is what you need to focus on and for guys it's a little different right You fantasize about, hey, I'm getting married. I'm going to have sex three times a week. This is going to be great, right? How many of you men and women are still dreaming, right? We're still dreaming because we have these expectations and we have these fantasies and we have these things that the world teaches us that scripture doesn't even talk about in the same way, right? Scripture teaches us how to do this, but man, the world is teaching us something completely different. Man, I'm so discouraged by the amount of people that come to me as a pastor and say, hey man, we just need to talk. Now I'm glad that they need to talk and I'm glad they're taking that step. That part doesn't discourage me. What discourages me is the enemy is at work so strong against marriages. Man, because he knows that it's such a special relationship that if he can tear that apart, he can probably tear everything else apart in your life, man. That's how important this relationship is, and man, I just want to give you two two points this morning. Number one is this: this is how we can have a foundation, a firm foundation for marriage. Number one is protect the priorities, protect your priorities, and here's here's what we're taught. And I see this watching these crazy new Disney movies that come out. I have two girls and man, they're, they're all about princesses and they like to watch this. I couldn't even tell you who any of them are. They say names, they sing songs, but this is the, this is the gist of a lot of those movies is that there's one perfect person out there for you. There's the one, you just have to find the one. Just go find the one. When you find the one, everything in your life is going to be better. And this is what I want you to know. I've been married For almost 11 years and everything in my life is not better. And that's not because my wife isn't great. It's because we live in a fallen world where things aren't always going to be perfect. We live in a world where the enemy is constantly at work. We live in a world that, man, they don't really care about you very much. They're going to try to sell you something. So they're selling you this dream of, man, you got to go find the one. Find the one. Find the one. And this is what I want you to know this morning. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, I'll send them to you because this is really important. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. Man, and I want you to to grasp this concept. Because what we begin to do is we begin to elevate earthly relationships above our relationship with the Father. We begin to, to prioritize relationships here on earth higher than our relationship with God. And the first foundation for a successful biblical marriage is that God is your one and your spouse is your two. But that also means that your spouse is your number one human earthly relationship, right? And this is this is what we see in, in Genesis 2.24. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, when I do weddings, I always throw in just an extra phrase here, right? I always read this verse and I say, hey, this is what the Bible says. It says that a man's going to leave his father and his mother. And then I say this, no matter how amazing they are, right? No matter how amazing mom and dad are, God has called you in a marriage relationship to leave them and to be joined together with your with your spouse. So as, as kids, our, our top earthly relationship is parents. And then as we get married, that switches over to now our top earthly relationship is our spouse. And I had some pretty awesome parents, right? So, man, sometimes it's like, I ain't leaving them. I'd rather just stay single. That didn't happen. And I'm glad that didn't happen. God has blessed me tremendously. It doesn't mean that you don't love your parents anymore. I love my parents like crazy. But here, as we continue on in this this saga of relationships, right? So we have God is your one. Your spouse is your two. Your parents were your two, but now you had to leave them. So now it's your spouse and things are getting a little confusing because mama used to clean your room all the time and now your wife's not cleaning it like mama did. And man, it's just a lot of things are changing in life, right? Mama used to cook no matter what. And she would set a little bit aside for you because she knew you didn't like onions. And your wife's like, I don't care if you like onions or not. This is what I cook. This is what you're eating. Life begins to change. Things start to get a little bit different. Where you used to be, you know, the the baby of the house, you ain't the baby of the house anymore. And maybe I'm sharing personal feelings, maybe not. I'm just giving you some examples of how things work, right, in marriages. But this relationship now becomes God is your one. Your spouse is your two. But this is what happens. We begin to put our spouses, number one, above God. Right? And we're asking them to meet a need that they were not designed to meet. Because each of us have needs in our life that only God can meet. He He is that for us. He he fulfills those needs for us. And what we do is we begin to expect our spouse to meet a need that they were not designed to meet. And guess what? That's not fair for us to do that as a spouse. Because they weren't designed to meet the number one need. That's God. But what we do is we, we begin, and this is what happens, we idolize and then we demonize. I'm going to give you another example. You, it might be me, it might not. You can decide that this whole series, you can just hear these stories and think, man, is that Dustin? Maybe, maybe not. But what we do is, we're, ladies you are like, man, he's so, he's so laid back. Nothing ever bothers him. He is perfect while you're dating. Then you get married, so you're idolizing him while you're dating. Then you get married and it's like, you start demonizing. He's so lazy. He doesn't do anything. he doesn't care about anything in this world, and guys, you're like, man, she is so awesome. She lifted her pinky when she was worshiping. She loves Jesus, and she's so organized, and then you get married and and you begin to demonize like, man, she is choking me to death. I need some freedom. This is crazy. We can't do anything spontaneous because she's so organized, and that's what we do. We begin to idolize. And then it turns into demonizing. Because we're putting so much pressure on our spouse when they weren't designed to meet that need. We have to keep God, number one, spouse, number two. And then, parents, I just want to talk to you for a minute. Because kids do come along sometimes in a marriage relationship. And what happens. Is a lot of times parents begin to, man, so maybe maybe my spouse was my number two, but now my kids are becoming my number two. Now my kids are are important. Now I'm elevating them to a status where they aren't supposed to be. And I know this is really hard to understand, but I want you to to just hear me this morning that kids are a temporary assignment for parents. Man, you have them 18, 19 years, unless you have a millennial, maybe 30, right? 35. Just depends. But you have them for a certain amount of time, and then it's healthy to push them out and say, hey, go live for Jesus on your own. They're temporary. And the marriage relationship is till death do us part, it's permanent. But what we do a lot of times is we begin to focus and center our attention all on the kids. And we begin to lose that priority of our spouse being number two below God. And I want you to think about this. Because we we become child-centered in our marriages. And then when the kids are gone and they are out living for Jesus and changing the world, you look at your spouse and you say, hey, I don't really know who you are. Who are you? Because we haven't been setting the priorities correctly and kids aren't bad things right it's not that bad things come in and destroy marriages it's it's good things out of place that often destroy marriages it's good things that are out of place out of priority that destroy marriages right so let's let's talk about money. money's not a a bad thing, but when we prioritize money over our spouse, it's out of place, and it becomes something that can destroy our marriages kids they're not bad things, but when they're out of place, they can destroy marriages and It's oftentimes the good things that we just put a high priority on. we get these These priorities all jacked up, all out of whack, all out of order. And then marriages begin to suffer and to struggle. Man, you have to protect your priorities. You have to protect the priorities. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. And man, I'm going to talk to you for just a minute because I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to take the lead on this. Protect your priorities. Men are protectors. That's what we are. That's that's what we were designed to do. If somebody comes into my house when they're not supposed to be there and they they mean harm to my family, I guarantee you I'm going to fight like crazy to protect them. Man, they will have to kill me to get to anyone else because that's how we're wired as guys to protect. And God calls us to protect, but guess what? He also calls us to live for our spouse, not just to die for them. Now, we're really we're really good at saying, hey, I would lay down my life for them. But God calls us to do more than just lay down our life. He calls us to live our life for them, to love them. We see that in Ephesians 5, 25. And a lot of times this verse is it's just used and it's like, hey, so protect your wife, love her. Lay down your life for her. And it's focused on lay down your life for her. And I'm okay with that point. I would lay, baby, I would lay down my life for you. But what's more important than that is we have to love. That's how this first starts. Let's look at it. Husbands, love your wives. Love them as Christ loved the church. Love them. You have to live for them now. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to protect them and be done with it. That's not enough. Guys, we have to lead in this, we have to love them when we love them so much that we would lay down our life for them. But man, it's about the way that we live. I'm challenging every man in this room to protect the priorities. And let me speak to those of you who aren't married. Man, this is the perfect time for you in your life to get the priorities straight. That God is your number one. And man, start praying for your number two. Start praying for her. Start praying for Him. And you become what your number two is praying for. I'm going to say that again. You become what your number two is praying for. Because hopefully they're praying for a certain type of person. Someone who loves God. Someone who who is just their priorities are straight. Someone who's chasing after Jesus. You become that person. Protect the priorities in your marriage. Number two is this: if we're going to protect the priorities. Number two is to pursue your two. Pursue your two. I don't know how many of you have ever done anything just crazy, silly in the name of love. Anybody? All right, Jason, appreciate that, man. Anybody else? All right, I'm glad we have some romantic people in this room, man. It's awesome. So, man. Ashley was way better at this than I was. She was just way better at at pursuing than I was. Again, I I wasn't the greatest boyfriend. I wasn't the greatest fiance. I wasn't the greatest husband. I wasn't the greatest dad, right? There was was a, a big stretch of time where God had to work, and he's still working and he's still chiseling. But man, she pursued me, and this is how she pursued me. She would watch the Braves with me. Man, she hates baseball. And she doesn't care anything about the Braves. But she knew that, man, that was probably my biggest passion. I didn't miss a game. I watched every night. And she would literally come over to my house. We wouldn't really talk. We would watch the Braves. Man, I played softball. I traveled a lot. I played a lot of softball tournaments. And, man, she would come and watch me play softball. She didn't care anything about that. She didn't want to be there probably. She really didn't care. Man, there was a lot people that were way better than me, so I didn't really want her there because I'm like, man, what if she sees one of these other guys that's really good? And But she didn't know enough about it to know that I wasn't that good. So she did. I will tell you the story. This is true, and this is about me. She did tell me one time after a tournament, why don't you hit the ball as hard as those other people hit it? And man, I don't have a good answer to that. Like, I don't know. If I could, I would. That's why I'm playing softball. I'm not playing baseball anymore because I'm just there comes a time where it's over. Uh, But she was honest, at least. Right. Like she knew that I couldn't hit the ball very hard. I still can't. Um, But that's okay. But she pursued me by understanding what I was interested in. And then she would get involved in that. And man, a lot of people, when you're dating, you leave little sticky notes. And man, there's all this pursuit going on. People do crazy stuff in the name of love, because they want to win someone. But this is what I know, is that by nature, we pursue what we don't have. We pursue what we don't have. So what, what happens is, the pursuit is really good when we're chasing someone, when we're trying to win someone, but then once that that battle is won, or once we we secure that relationship, or whatever it may be, then the pursuit oftentimes stops. And if we want a healthy marriage, then we have to continuously pursue the two. We have to pursue the two. See, what happens is if our priorities get out of whack, then a lot of times somewhere along the way we stop pursuing. We stop pursuing. And I want to give us some practical ways but man, I want to I want to share just a story with you there's a story about Jacob in the Bible Jacob and Rachel and Leah in the Bible and the Bible man the Bible these are Rachel and Leah's sisters and what happens in the Bible is the Bible is very very amazing the way that it describes people so Rachel's the younger sister Leah's the older sister and this is what the bible says about Rachel that she has a lovely figure and she's beautiful. And then the bible about Leah the older sister, this is what the bible says, she had weak eyes. Man, can you imagine? So here's the younger sister, she's beautiful, she's got a lovely figure and this girl needs glasses, right? That's that's kind of what that's what the bible is saying. And Jacob's in love with Rachel. So he goes to the father and says, hey, I want to marry your daughter. And he says, "Okay, well, work for me for seven years and then you can marry her. So he works for seven years. And the Bible tells us that time flies by because he is so in love and he's pursuing and he's working hard. And then after the seven years, the father does a little switcheroo on Jacob and says, well, you can have my daughter Leah. And and Jacob's like, wait a minute, no offense but I don't like girls with glasses. I don't want her like I wanted the the younger daughter. And the father says, well, it's customary that we give away the oldest daughter first, but I will go ahead and give you Rachel, but you have to work for me for seven more years. So Jacob works for seven more years. So this is what this story tells me is that he pursued and he worked for her before he had her. And then he continued to work for her even after He had her. He already had Rachel at this point. And then the father says, well, you have to work for me for seven more years. And he says, absolutely, I'll work for seven more years because I want to continue to pursue. I want to continue to work. What a beautiful story of continuously pursuing your number two. That even after you have them, even after you get them, you continue to pursue. You continue to work. You continue to fight. I'm going to give you three really quick practical ways that we can do this. And I I really want this to sink in. This This is really, really, really simple stuff. But we have to close the gap between intentions and actions. A lot of us, we have good intentions. The actions don't line up. We have to close that gap. Right? So this is how we're going to do that. If you're taking notes, number one is this when you think something good, say it. When you think something good, say it. Man, I want you to I want you to thank just for a minute. I'm gonna to talk to the guys, but I want you to I want you to pursue her with words of affection. Right? Pursue her with words of affection. Now I'm about to throw a, a wrench in here. I want you to pursue her with non-sexual words of affection. And some of you are like, yeah, dude, I don't know what that is. Like, so let me say it again. Non-sexual affection. And some of you are still like, yeah, still not making sense, man. Guys have the spiritual gift of making anything sexual. It's, It's not their fault. They're not perverts. They're just guys, right? So Ashley can say, "Hey, we need to load the dishes." And be like, "Yeah, I'll load your dishes." Right? <laughs> guys just guys have this, right? Don't don't act like it's not true. Guys just have this way they can turn anything into It's like, "Man, we need to get the tires rotated." Yeah, I can rotate your tires. Like, guys are just that's what they do. Guys are crazy. So, so guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pursue your spouse, your wife, with non-sexual affection. And I'm going to give you a really easy, easy way to do this. When you say, I love you, I want you to add some stuff to it. I want you to say, I love you because, and then I want you to change the ending. I love you because you support me better than anyone else. I love you because you're my best friend. I love you because you're the greatest mom in the world. Tell her you love her, and then tell her why. Man, show her with words of affection. When you think something good, say it. In Hebrews three thirteen, it says this: "But exhort one another every day, as long as as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." Man, exhort one another, encourage one another, ladies. I want you to pursue Him with words of affirmation. Pursue Him with words of affirmation. See, He is becoming who you see Him as. He is becoming who you see Him as. Man, there's some some things that maybe you want your husband to do better. Maybe, let's, let's make this spiritual. Maybe you want him to lead better spiritually. So anytime he doesn't, you constantly tell him how he's not being spiritual, how he's not doing this, how he's not this, how he's not this, and all that does it makes him want to pick up his basketball and go home, right? He doesn't want to play anymore man, how about when he does just a little bit you say man, when you when you said that, when you took us to church, and that just that was special to me, thank you for taking us to church and man, he's going to look up like churches that have services on Sunday, morning, Sunday, night, Wednesday, night. Like words of affirmation. Maybe when he prays at at dinner time and he's like, God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for this food, right? Whatever. And you say, man, when you prayed at dinner, man, that was awesome. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to pray longer next time. Man, God's just... Don't tell them what they're not. Speak into them who you want them to become. When you think something good, say it. See, women are asking this question most of the time Do you love me today? And men are asking the question Do you believe in me today? Man, think about this as you go through your life, through your marriage. Man, say, the good things that you think. Number two is this. When you think something special, do it. When you think something special, do it. And, and we're going we're gonna to apply James 4 very loosely. This isn't the context, but if we, if we could apply it really loosely to marriage, James 4.17 says this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So when you when you think of something special, do it. When you're like, man, you know what? I, I really want to send her some flowers. Send her some flowers. Man, I'll tell you, there's nothing more romantic, at least for my wife, than there's uh, three dirty kids running around the house acting crazy for me to, to wrangle them in like a cowboy, right? With ropes and all, like I'm wrangling these suckers in. I want to put a cowboy hat on when I do it, just to, it'd be awesome. Wrangle them in, get them in the bath, bathe them, get them ready for bed, lay their clothes out, and you're like, yeah, that's not very special. Man, that's the most romantic thing I could do for my wife. It's just to bathe the kids. Get them, get them in the bed. Lay the clothes out so she doesn't have to do it. Load the dishwasher. Man, technology's made it easy for guys. We don't even have to wash the dishes. Just put them in the dishwasher. And we still hate doing it. I do. I don't mind putting them in. I hate unloading the dishwasher. Mine just doesn't get it dry. You got to use the towel when she gets mad because that's not the right towel. It leaves little threads on the dish. Whatever. Right? I told you, I'm still learning. But man, when you think something special, do it. Why would you ever rob your spouse of the blessing of doing something special for them. Maybe you're like, man, I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the money to go on date nights. I don't have the money to send flowers. Man, be creative. Pick the flowers. Even if they're weeds. Man, she doesn't care. She'll put them in water anyway, and you'll be like, yep, I just won that one. And she knows they're not going to live and she's going to throw them away. But you did something special for her. You don't have to take her out to eat. Man, put the kids to bed early. Go to your room, make a little fort or something, and just have dinner. Lock the door so the kids can't come in. My kids like know how to pick the lock and stuff now. Like I gotta get a deadbolt. But man, when you when you think something special, just do it. Do it. Don't rob your spouse of the blessing of doing something special for them. And here's the third thing. When you want something different, be it. If you want something different, be it. Now, we can't control other people, but we can control who we are. And God has called us to be a certain person. Be that person. Man, you cannot gripe your way into a better marriage. I'm going to say that again because I think somebody needs to hear this. You cannot gripe your way into a better marriage. If you want something better in your marriage, then be that yourself. Be who God's called you to be. Man, you just can't. You can't gripe your way into a better marriage. You can't criticize your way into a better marriage, but you can be different. You can be the difference in your marriage. I heard a pastor tell a story. He was talking about how, man, he was just so engulfed in work and, and church and how people would just constantly you know, text him, call him, and he was on his phone all the time. And his wife, she never complained. She never criticized. She never griped. What she did is at night when he was home, she she put her phone in a drawer in the kitchen, and it would be up the entire night. So he realized, man, my wife is engaged in all these conversations. My wife is engaged with the kids and it sparked something within him to get off his phone and to be engaged like his wife was. See, she didn't criticize him. She showed him she was the example for him. She wanted something different, so she became it. If you want something different, be it. Be who God has called you to be. And we're going we're to close with this. But man, guys are protectors like I mentioned. And, and I don't mean this in any derogatory manner at all, but this is just biblical. Women are multipliers. That's what they do. So I gave Ashley a house and she multiplied it into a home. We had one kid and she multiplied it into three. So they're multipliers. You give them a hard time? <laughs> right? That's just what happens. They're multipliers. They multiply it. So if your marriage isn't what you want it to be, man, I think the the question can't be, man, what does she need to do different or what does he need to do different? Let me Let me say this to you that if you go home and try to apply this message to your spouse, then you've missed the entire point. It's for you. It's for you as a as a husband. It's for you as a wife to put God one and your spouse two, and to pursue your two. But men, I'm going to talk to you again. If you don't like what you're getting, then look at what you're giving. Because women are multipliers, so if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. If you don't like what's coming out, look at what's going in. And if you want love to be multiplied, then put love in. If you want pursuit to be multiplied, then pursue. If you want a hard time to be multiplied, then give them a hard time. Because I promise you, that's probably their best one, to multiply. They remember stuff you did when you were two. She didn't even know me when I was two. She's been talking to my mama. And that ain't fair. I don't talk to her mama. Man, they're they're multipliers. Look at what you're putting in. And if you want to get something different, then give something different. But it all starts. It all goes back to the foundation of God being number one and your spouse being number two. You have to protect those priorities. Protect them. If God's not number one in your marriage, then today is the day for you to make that happen. To say, I vow that God will always be my top priority and my spouse will be my number two. And I don't want you to leave this place without making that vow today if that's not your marriage. And then you're going to vow to pursue your two like never before. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, man, we used to have a great marriage. We used to have this or we used to to be this. And to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. There was a reason you had what you had. And there's a reason that it went away. And it's usually because we get our priorities out of, out of order. And we stop pursuing our two. And this morning, as we, as we sing our response song, what I'm going to do is, and I'm going to challenge you and encourage you this morning as couples to come down here. Bring your spouse down front and pray with them. And how special is it to be in the house of the Lord where there's joy and to bring your two down front to talk to your one and say I want to honor you with this marriage I want you to be one and I want my spouse to be two Maybe, maybe you haven't been two but I want you to become my two and I want to pursue you I want to pursue you husbands take the lead on this Bring your wife. Pray with her. If you're single, come up here and pray that God continues to prepare you to be the person He's called you to be. And understand that you don't need the two to survive. You only need the one. And He'll bring the two when it's time. Today, today is a day of transformation for marriages. And let it be your marriage that gets transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.